1: Good afternoon, everybody. It is the Steve Jones Show on a Tuesday. News Radio 1070 WKOK. Matt Catrillo here with you. Steve will soon be there from the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, Fourth Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai, all new, pre-owned inventory, all the good stuff right there on Fourth Street in Sunbury, or at Sunbury com lots a big college hoops show to get to once again today nate davis the head coach of the bucknell bison on at 335 then we have rob blackman from purdue basket radio on the basketball side of things will join us at 406 and then dick girardi gonna join us at 435 so lots of more college hoops to get into today And we'll certainly jump-dive into all that. Tomorrow we have a tremendous local doubleheader of college hoops. Got Bucknell starting at 7.30 on Eagle 107 as they take on Colgate in the semifinals for the Patriot League. And then flip on over here to WDKOK for the 9 o'clock tip for Penn State and Nebraska for the first round of the Big Ten tourney. So tomorrow's going to be a great day across our Sunbury Broadcasting stations when it comes to local college hoops, so... This is going to be the show to get you ready for that here today. So we're looking forward to having Coach Davis on and all of our other guests to get ready for these next couple of days in college hoops. But a couple of notes in the NFL. Of course, the big one came down yesterday evening as Dak Prescott has finally gotten his big deal with the Cowboys. It is a four-year deal. And that is going to be worth over... 130 I think it was 135 million. I'm oh, sorry 164 million. 75 or 66 million will be uh, assigning will be the signing bonus and he will be getting 75 million in year one so it shatters another long set of NFL history of records of money and things like that for the contract. and so it'll run till Dak is 31. And a lot of talk today in the last couple of days of the timing of this, had the Cowboys handled it well. You know, I, I got to say, I mean, it's, it's... I don't think you're going to get any better than what the Cowboys have right now. With Dak, I don't know who else you would turn to in this situation, but you're asking a lot now and putting a lot of money in a guy that just shattered his leg last year and really has won you one playoff game. Oh,
0: you're complaining about Dak Prescott again. Jeez. Well,
1: I mean, I, I'm not complaining. I mean, I, I love when the Cowboys make dumb decisions like this. If they were going to sign Dak, it should have been done two years ago when he won the playoff game with Seattle. Not now. If, if they were gonna just going to keep tagging him, it should have been this year when he's coming off a fractured leg and you, don't, and you have many other holes to fill right now in the O-line. I just don't know. We had this discussion, Steve, the other day of not many teams – being able to get back to the Super Bowl because you have big contracts with quarterbacks. Right. Look at Dallas. Exactly. They have Dak now. You already had Zeke. And you already have 100 mil and Amari Cooper, who had who bo- both had down years last year. So I like for the, the rest of the NFC East, you as a Giants fan, me as an Eagles fan, you got to like where the Cowboys are right now because they don't have a whole lot of money elsewhere to spend.
0: They do not. But see, they have the best quarterback in the division. Uh, so they, you know, they are one up on everybody else because they have the best quarterback in the division.
1: Now that Even is true. Better. All
0: right. So it's the single most important position to fill. But when you do, now I don't know how the contract is structured. I don't know how it's structured. Take, for example, the Mahomes contract. When we had Brett Veach on the show, the, uh, pride of Mount Carmel and the general manager of the Kansas City Chiefs, who has, by the way, a ring, a rather big one, which he helped them earn by really brilliant uh, acquisitions. I mean, he did a great job of constructing that that championship team. When it came time to then take that championship team and think about the future, he constructed a contract contract with Patrick Mahomes' people that gave them the options to keep the core group together. I don't know if Dak, I don't know from a 30,000 feet, because I haven't read the contract. I don't know if Dak Prescott's contract gives the Cowboys that kind of flexibility. I don't know. So I can't, I can't answer it for you. But you're right. I mean, it, 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 what happens when you when you sign the person that you have to sign, and then of course, in the NFL, that's the quarterback. Do you do it in such a way where now you are limited in your ability to build a team around him? And Dak Prescott is a quarterback that actually does need a team built around him. He's not Aaron Rodgers. You know, Aaron Rodgers gets a, a fabulous player in Devontae Adams. And okay, you know, some, some good NFL running backs, some other decent NFL wide receivers, decent tight ends. You know, he's had a good offensive line, you know, Corey Lindsley and uh Bakhtiari in front of him. But think about what they put around him on offense. Meanwhile, think about what they put around Dak Prescott on offense. They put Amari Cooper, they put Zeke Elliott. Uh, Pollard's not a bad running back as a backup. You know they had Jason Witten there with him. Uh, the, the Prescott is a very good quarterback, probably in the seven to eleven range in the entire league. So he's in the upper third. He's in the upper third of quarterbacks in the NFL, but he's not in the upper tier. And, and when you're in that 7 to 11, 7 to 12 range as a quarterback in the league, you are under the category of you do need some people around you to then make yourself even more effective. I mean, you think about Drew Brees in his top years, Tom Brady in his top years. Okay? Except for Randy Moss, which Hall of Fame receivers were they working with? Which ones? It's, it's obvious that a guy like Brady, it's obvious that a guy like, and by the way, Chris Godwin got franchised today, and Allen Robinson got franchised as well. Uh, Bud Dupree was not. Uh, but Allen Robinson got franchised by the Bears, and Chris Godwin got franchised by the Buccaneers. But now let's get back to the wide receiver group. When you look at the top quarterbacks in the NFL – they have the ability to make everybody else around them better right? Prescott has that only to a point in my opinion I think he's a very good NFL quarterback I don't think he's a great NFL quarterback but I think he's a very good NFL quarterback and he's in the upper third but he is also the kind of quarterback that needs other really good parts around him he needs Zeke Elliott he needs Amari Cooper Because if they're eliminated from the mix, I don't think Dak Prescott is actually good enough to get you over the hump. Or the speed bump. Which, by the way, the suit goes over like 40 miles an hour just for laughs.
1: It's it's interesting. God, he's an interesting
0: dude. (laughs) <laughs> did uh did me win last night?
1: They did and our play-by-play call of the day may or may not be from that game because somebody may or may not have wanted to join in the fun from yesterday.
0: Really? <laughs>
1: <sighs> it's a good call though, I promise.
0: Did did dave get to talk at all
1: you didn't hear him in this clip
0: <laughs> well let me put it this way and probably is probably the way the rest of the night went to all right uh we'll take a break today's show brought to you by sunbury motors fourth street in sunbury sunbury motors care it's 11 and 15 in Hummel's wharf and online at sunbury com on news radio 1070 wk okay Uh, the Pirates lead the Braves nine nothing in the bottom of the seventh inning, and I believe the Braves manager was just fired. Uh, <laughs> I'm just I'm just kidding about that. Was it Snicker, Ryan Snicker, the manager? He's he's actually really good, but it's one of those days where the, where the Braves not only are losing nine nothing, the Pirates about hit them fifteen to nothing. The Braves don't have a hit, and, and Acuna played today. He went zero for three. He's only hitting 071 in the spring. It's amazing you get 071 in the spring. And on opening day, if you go two for four, guess what your batting average is? Five hundred. <laughs> so it doesn't matter.
1: Good thing it's spring trading it. for the Braves. Yeah,
0: Smiley <laughs> pitched. He got lit up. Uh Wilson Minter pitch got lit up. The Pirates I'm getting up a hit in this game. Let's see who is pitching for the L El- Who's out there for the uh oh, Frazier's had a good day three for three. Brault, your Jury, Stratton, Santana, and Howard have not given up a hit. Win probability for the Pirates. They actually listed 99.8. Do you realize what Maryland's win probability was against Penn State the other night? 97. <laughs> Whoops. Didn't win. So tomorrow we just outlined he and I were outlining tomorrow's show. Tomorrow's show will be Jim Ferry. Uh, Big Ten tournament game with Nebraska. Uh, we'll have tomorrow Sandy Barber, vice president for Indian Collegiate Athletics tomorrow, and then we'll uh, close out with Neil Kulong tomorrow. We got Nathan Davis coming up. Oh, geez, the Red Sox are losing ten nothing. What a disgrace! To the Rays coming up. Right. <laughs> let, let me let me see. Well, hold on a second. Let's just look here. Who is in the lineup today? Uh, he should be cut. No, he should he should be cut. Nah, I'd cut him, too. Nah, he won't make the team. <laughs> actually, they had their actual go. lineup. No, they actually had their actual lineup in there. They do. Verdugo's in there. Renfro's in there. Devers. Dahlbeck. Like, oh, my goodness. Chavis. Oh, that's it. Alex Cora. Get rid of him. Although, Pavetta was good. Pavetta went three innings, only gave up uh, three hits and a run. Never did that for the Phillies.
1: Eh, give it time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Give them time. Listen to you. You're just so... I mean, your team's winning 4-3 yes, over Detroit. Yes, they are. But beating Detroit doesn't count. All right, so... Also true.
1: <laughs> you know what's well, sad is Detroit's got the better record right now. They're 5-2 in spring training and the Yanks are oh.
0: 4-3. Yeah, let's pretend any of that matters. Yes. Oh, my goodness. My Yanks have of their lineup that. today. Yeah, I think most people are. I mean, look, yeah. these guys are getting their work in. And that, that's uh, – because I used to be one of those like – let's go back 30 years ago. Spring training, how they doing, how they doing, how they doing. All right, yeah, Yeah, that yeah, prospect looks good. Isn't it? Now it's like you're, I'm realistic about it. Like, you're like it doesn't count. You're just getting your work in. Who cares what the record is? Although exactly. Last year, the, although the last year – you know what the Pirates record was in spring training last year?
1: Yeah, they only had a couple losses, right?
0: No, they were 3-24. and 24.
1: Oh, right, the other way around. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I, I remember. I remember when they finally got the back to playing, and of course they weren't for some odd reason weren't playing well. Uh, I started thinking about the three and twenty-four and started adding it up and thinking, "Oh my goodness, they've only won eleven games the whole yeah. year." Yeah. Oh my goodness, brutal! All right, Jamari Wheeler named to the All Big Ten defensive team today. John Harrow Myron Jones honorable mention All Big Ten. Uh, so that was announced today. Since I'm a voter, I get the. I was able to get what the full list is here. Uh, for a media. <laughs> Uh, let's see the heck with media. Let's go with the coaches first. Kofi Coburn, Iowa assume Luca Garza, EJ Liddell, Ohio State, Travion Williams, Purdue, first team. Second team, Trace Jackson Davis, Indiana, Joe Camp, Iowa, Hunter Dickinson, Michigan, Isaiah Livers, Michigan, Franz Wagner, Michigan. Third team, Marcus Carr, Minnesota, Aaron Henry, Michigan State, Dwayne Washington, Ohio State, Ron Harper, Rutgers, Demetrik Trice, of Wisconsin. Uh, honorable mention, Trent Frazier, Illinois, Jordy Bohannon, Iowa, Eric I. Maryland. Aaron Wiggins, Maryland, Geo Baker, Rutgers, all-freshman team by the coaches. Andre Curbelo of Illinois, Keegan Murray, Iowa, Hunter Dickinson, Michigan, Zach Eady, Purdue, Jaden Ivey, Purdue. Ivey is some athlete, man. That's an NBA guy right there. All-defensive team, Trent Frazier, Illinois, Daryl Morsell, Maryland, Aaron Henry, Michigan State, Jamari Wheeler, Penn State, Miles Johnson, Rutgers. Player of the Year, Luca Garza. Defensive Player of the Year, Daryl Morsell Maryland. Hunter Dickinson, a Michigan Freshman of the Year, Andre Corbello, Sixth Man of the Year, Jawan Howard, Coach of the Year. Media. First team, Kofi Coburn, Ayo Trace Jackson Davis, Luca Garza, Hunter Dickinson. Second team, Joe Wieskamp. Okay, Isaiah Livers, Marcus Carr, E.J. Liddell, Travion Williams. You're telling Wieskamp did not make the – oh, yeah, he made second team. Okay, for the coaches. Uh, third team, Franz Wagner, Aaron Henry, Dwayne Washington, Ron Harper, Demetric Trice, honorable mention, Trent Frazier, Jordy Bohannon, C.J. Frederick of Iowa, Eric Ayala, Derek Marcel, Aaron Wiggins, Teddy Allen of Nebraska, John Harrah, Myron Jones – uh, Miles Johnson, Jacob Young, both of Rutgers. Luca was the player of the year. Hunter Dickinson of Michigan, the freshman of the year. And Juwan Howard, coach of the year. And John Harrow received the Big Ten Sportsmanship Honor for Penn State. Each school picks one. All right. Nathan Davis, next half hour. They've got Colgate next. Now, you look at the net. Colgate's 12th in the net. They're 12 and 1. Um. But you know what? John Meeks is back playing. Wow. Uh, By the way, Ohio State had to pause football activities today. But there's a difference. Penn State went through its seventh, and I believe it's their final, their seventh and final winter workout session today. And Penn State and Dwight Galt's going to meet with the media on Thursday. That's always an informative session, very informative. Dwight is very direct about how guys did. Spring practice for Penn State begins on Monday, the 15th. Ohio State is not scheduled to begin their spring practice, though, until Friday the 19th. Great to have you with us today. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, K-Roots 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Online at sunburymotors.com. Nathan Davis in the next half hour. And then an ear-splitting play-by-play call of the day. I guess after Matt heard it, he had some blood coming out of an ear. It's like... (laughs) uh... We're going to talk with Rob Blackman of Purdue and Larry Clisby, Purdue basketball. It's the reason we're having Rob on is because of Klis, And then final half hour, Dick Girardi on 1070 WKOK. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummels Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. Great new inventory. Fabulous selection of pre-owned inventory. Great time to deal as well. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummels Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Next half hour, Rob Blackman, the play-by-play voice of Purdue basketball. We'll talk about Purdue's season, but also the passing of the legendary broadcaster Larry Clisby. And in the final half hour, my broadcast partner for, as we finish up our 17th season together, Dick Girardi. But now we bring in the outstanding head coach of the Bucknell basketball team, Nate Davis. Coach, welcome. Congratulations on advancing in the Patriot League tournament.
2: Thank you. I'm happy we won again, so I can do this one more time at least
0: this year. <laughs> it's, I, I feel the same way. Uh, the more the merrier with us. All right. What uh, I'm going to, I'll start out with this. You had everybody available against Lafayette, right? I mean, this it's always we, a tricky question.
2: We did. It was actually it's, it's amazing when you think about it. It was the first time. Three days before we played was the first time since the middle of December we had all 14 guys available for anything. So,
0: what was it like for you as a coach to look around and actually have some options that you thought about in the off, the off season
2: you know it was it was it was certainly nice i think any time i think we're deep and I think we have talent but I think any anytime you have everyone available um it certainly gives you a certain level of comfort and obviously for everybody having John meeks out there just brings so much confidence to our to our team the attitude he brings the way he plays so i mean just is, it's hard to uh Overestimate or overstate how how important he is to our success.
0: Well, let me go to that because when somebody is out, there's a domino. You can replace somebody. I'll give you an example only because I had to get ready for Iowa. You know, uh, they they lose Nungi Okay, fine. Well, Keegan Murray take. Or no, they lost Wieskamp Camp on on Sunday. Well, Murray takes over. Well, the question is, who takes over for Murray? Right, because he had to move up. How tough was that? Where guys had to assume different roles because John had been out.
2: Yeah, I think it's certainly challenging, and I think honestly, it's it's even more so challenging in this year with this environment. When you consider the fact that today is going to be our seventy ninth practice. Typically, at this time of year, you practice close yeah. to one hundred and thirty times. Um, we played 11 games. Typically, we've would played 32 or 33 now, so there's so much more time that you're spending on the court, so much more game action you get that the guys have a better feel for each other. And we have, unfortunately, it's not just us, it's everyone across the country um, to some extent has has had to experience this. So I think that when you play without guys for injuries or COVID or what have you, it certainly is more challenging because, again, you don't have the opportunities to prepare as, as you typically would in these situations.
0: How are you working coach to guard with Xander Rice right now cuz he had he had 19 for you so how is he running the team for you
2: He's been great um, he is uh, easily coachable he's a hard worker the amount of time he put in in the offseason to improve his game. We, we had no doubt he was going to come back and be good, but I don't think anyone could expect him to be shooting 53% from the floor and 49 from three and 78 from the free-throw line and plus 22 in assist turnovers. I mean, that's that's just a really high level. Um, hopefully he can continue. I'm sure he's going to continue to play well, but he could not be more pleased with with the way he's performed, um, both on and off the court. He's become a very important leader for us as well, too.
0: And there's another guy, too, Walter Ellis, uh, when I saw him last year, liked him. Uh, where's he improved? Because he gave you thirteen and eight the other day.
2: You know, I think there's a couple of things. And if you go back to the when he first got here, I think one of the areas he's really picked up on is defensively. He went from being one of our more questionable defenders to the guy we typically assign to the best premier offensive player right now. Um, so again, a testament to his mentality and the way he's approached it since he got here. Then he's a guy that really shoots the ball with range and can get it off quick. But one of the things he's done a lot better this year is, is create off the dribble and get to the rim and finish. Um that's why he's gotten the free throw line a little bit more. So again, he's a, like a, like most guys, that if you're any good at this level, he's really improved over the, the last few years. And I'll say this about both Xander and, and Walls, they got pretty good followers to help him work on their games too. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> between between King and Lofonzo, I think yeah. You know? And see, a guy like see, the like Xander Rice does bother me. All right? I have to air this out. I'm now watching games with kids that I broadcast, the father's games. Okay, so I, it's like it's, it's bringing my age into play here, Nate. All
2: right? No, it hurts. I'm with you. It hurts.
0: Yeah, it hurts. It's like, oh, no. Uh, Andre Screen, you brought him off the bench. He gave you some production. What do you think about his upside moving forward?
2: I think Andre's going to be a stud. I think he's uh, the best freshman in the league. I know we didn't make an all-freshman team, I'm assuming, because we played fewer games, but he's just the dominant force, and he's just starting to scratch the surface of what he's capable of. Um, as he gets stronger, more explosive, he's going to be a. Re- he could, he's got a chance to be a real problem for people. But as it is, he's already making 60% of his shots. He can make free throws. He rebounds. He blocks shots. He can move his feet. I think his, his future is very, very bright.
0: Uh, Andrew Funk gave you 14. Uh now, obviously, with, when a guy like John Meeks is out, all these guys are expected to do more. To a previous question I asked, but how much do you think Funk has actually benefited by having his old running mate, his old running mate out there and Meeks back out there?
2: I think tremendously. I mean, I, we had a conversation before in our last games about how when Meeks is out, he really presses. And I think it was hurting he was trying too hard. He wants to win so badly that he puts a lot on the shoulders. But I think if you go back and look, even at Saturday's game, one of the things we were talking about at halftime, he had 14 in the second half but didn't score in the first half. But we thought he played a great game in the first half. He was playing at a high level, was doing the stuff we needed to do to win, and we had a nine-point lead uh, a lot because of what he was doing, even though he wasn't scoring. And I think that's a, that's a big deal is teams get really good when guys don't care who scores. Or don't care he gets the credit. Um, they're out there playing just to win. And the rest will take care of itself. And I think Andrews done a good job of showing that.
0: Right. Something that you know, I can rack up a, a video. I can watch John Meeks play, and there's certain things I'll be able to pick out right away. As somebody who's around him all the time, practice and so forth. What are a couple of quote intangibles that he brings to the table that a coach such as yourself appreciates?
2: Well, I think if you saw him in practice, and Xander does this too, is he holds people accountable. Um, yeah. Coaches are the ones always holding him accountable. You're only going to be so good. He holds people accountable for their performance um, day in, day out. He always plays hard. He's competitive. So anytime you're in practice and you start going five-on-five, five, it's going to get a little chippy, which carries over to games because he's out there competing. Um he defends well. I think one of the things that's been lost a little bit, like Gary he's only played five games, is he came back in such good shape that now he guards everybody. Like, he can guard point guards, doesn't matter. And so that gives us a lot more flexibility defensively as far as what we're doing and how the guard, especially ball screens, which you see so much of now. Um, so those are those are the, the, the big things. And then just because he's good and the guys have been watching him play for so long, they know how good he is and there's just a, a general confidence everyone has um, on the team when he's out there.
0: Uh, with you at the helm, Bucknell is 13-4 and four now in Patriot League tournament games. What's your philosophy about the tournament? Because I know it's, there's the pressure of possession by possession, but is there a way to loosen guys up to allow them to actually play the way they want to instead of, of just drama, dramatizing every mistake?
2: Well, I think it goes back to... First off, it goes back to, obviously, in this time, we've had some really good players, which helps. Um, when you have Nana Found and Zach Thomas and Stephen Brown and Kimmel McKenzie and Nate Stina and John Meeks and goes on the list, that's certainly going to be a big part of it and that helps. But I think that we just kind of approach it. It's a long year. Um, this year, obviously, a little bit shorter and so different in so many ways, but it's a long year. And so on. one of the things we try to do is break into the so that by the time we get to this year, we kind of know what our roles are. We're playing with confidence. Um, we're playing for each other. And treat every game all year long like it's a tournament game. Um, I know it's a cliche, but it's about the Nick says it's about the process. We want every game. We want to treat every game like it's the most important game of the year. We want to treat every possession like it's the most important possession of the year. So that it's no different at this time. Now, saying that, let's be honest. It's a little different at this time, anyway. Sure. But right. but at least at least the, in in theory, we've been playing under this as is, is close to that same type of pressure as we can create on a daily basis.
0: Because you had all fourteen guys available, how important was your scout team to give you the look before Lafayette and also to give you a look before Colgate?
2: I think it's huge um, and we do it a little differently here, so actually honest, like at this time of year like i'm so maybe it's some because this year I'm so nervous about somebody getting hurt right now. They, like yeah. today, we probably won't do anything live. Um, we'll do a lot where we guard the coaching staff running through their stuff just to make sure that we know where we need to be. Um, that's kind of where we are at this point. But those guys being able to give a look when we're going live, like we were doing actually how they're going to guard, um, what they're going to run, all that stuff is, is vital so that they have some semblance or some understanding of what they're going to see tomorrow night.
0: Obviously, uh, here they test every day because it's part of the Big Ten antigen testing program. So there's a test every day. Uh, how often does the Patriot test, and what is what is it like for you as the head coach waiting for the results?
2: <laughs> I'm waiting for him right now, actually. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's, it's different So the league. The league rule had been, so we've been testing three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday since January yeah. 1st. This week, because of the NCAA rules, like everybody else, we have to test every day. Um, okay. you seven consecutive tests if you are fortunate enough to get the NCAA tournament of negative to be able to go to Indianapolis. So um, we won on Saturday. We started testing Sunday morning. We, we'll test every day until we are either going to Indianapolis or eliminated. Um, but, you know, it's it's like everything else. It's one of those things that's one of the hardest parts about this year is there's so much out of your control. Um, I mean, we were scheduled to play Colgate a month ago. we would get up there. And we go ahead and leave because we're waiting on one test to come back. It comes back and they say it's positive, so we get pulled off the floor. Turns out the there would have been an error made, and it wasn't positive right. until oh, the no. until the game starts. I have no idea what's going to happen or who's going right. to be available. You just got to roll with the punches.
0: Yeah, you you do. You know what's interesting? You mentioned that Penn State football this year, Nate, had fifty-eight false positives. Right. And e- and every time now you have Geisinger in your backyard. Every time they, had to, they didn't have a a PCR test, they had to go to Geisinger to do it, that's 75 miles away right So it's, uh, it's, uh, yeah, so I understand where you're coming from <laughs> I understand where you're coming from with this Colgate's 12-1 and one. they've won 11 in a row and when you look at the net, it doesn't take long to find them, they're in the top 15 uh, so when you look at this, I mean, the oddity is you didn't play them so when you mm-hmm. look at them on the video what are you seeing?
2: You see, a good team. I mean, like you said, it's so weird. They're, they've only played three teams. <laughs> you know, they're 50th yeah. in the net, but they've only really played three teams all year long. They played five of their wins against Boston U. They've got a good team. They beat Army, um, and they played Holy Cross. And that's that's been it. We were supposed to be the one team besides those they played. And like I just mentioned, we didn't get the chance to play the game. But they're, they, this starts with Jordan Burns. He's as good a guard as yeah. the league has seen since – since uh CJ McCollum. I'm not putting him in that class obviously, because CJ's one of the best players in the world but yeah. he's as good as that. The guard as we've seen, he's dynamic, he can create his own shots, he can get to the rim, he shoots with great range, so unfortunately we've been witness to on several occasions. Um and he finds people. And they've done a good job. They surround him with guys that make shots and can and can kinda of create off those closeouts. And then defensively they're they're just sound. They pack the paint. They try to make you take tough twos like everybody does, but they do a good job with their size and length. So they certainly have a good team but I think there's things that we do well that will give them problems, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how this one plays out.
0: Uh, how do you approach this? Do you approach it, you know, we talked about it being a possession game, but do you approach it media timeout to media timeout? Is there a different way you like to approach it with your team at this time of the year?
2: Yeah, we do everything. Like one of the things we say every game. Uh, well it doesn't matter when it's being played is we want to focus on winning that possession we don't go four minutes, a lot of people do four minutes we don't even do that, we want to win this one possession and the idea being if we string enough good ones together like that at the end we'll be in good position um, and we want to we want to be that focused on just this possession play each possession, like it's the one that's going to win or lose you the game because even in a one point game you know, everyone points to the last two of the possessions of the game I guarantee there's 10 or 12 possessions throughout the game that change the way the game is being played and we kind of believe if we can put enough of those good ones together, we get to the end, it's not going to be a one-point game. And you're going to have some leeway. We want to give ourselves as much leeway as possible.
0: What de- what kind of dedication has it taken on the part of your student-athletes to actually get to this point? And what kind of job has your medical staff done to get you to this point?
2: I think they've done an outstanding job, both of them. I mean, there's no way around it. It's hard um, when, like I said, you don't know from day to day what's going to happen. Um, I mean, our guys have been in quarantine for 14 days. You talk about 18- or 22-year-olds. Sitting in a hotel room not able to go anywhere for, for 14 days is really mentally, as much as physically, it's a mental challenge. And for them to have been able to stick together and get through it and get to the point now where we're playing for what they wanted to do the whole time is, is a big deal. And I think obviously with our trainers and our doctors working to try to keep them in shape and keep them as healthy as possible is, has been been a huge deal.
0: Well, as you wait for the test results to come in, we are very pleased that we're allowed to uh, uh, kill some time with you. <laughs> so you can... <laughs>
2: well, Hopefully this won't be the last time before next year.
0: <laughs> you got that right. I hope it isn't either, because good luck against Colgate. I think it's going to be a heck of a game, and I look forward to talking to you again soon. How about that?
2: That right, sounds good. Take care. Have a great week.
0: Thanks, Nate. You too. Nathan Davis, head basketball coach Bucknell. I'll tell you, with Meeks back... And you know, I'm a I'm a big Ellis guy, I'm a big Xander Rice guy. Uh, I'm a I'm a big Andrew Funk guy. But boy, when Meeks is there, man, does he make everybody Oh, it's tremendous. Of, I mean, he makes everybody better because everybody can then go back to what they do. You're not trying to make up for thirty one points. I mean, he Meeks has played what, six games this year? He's had thirty or better five times. And Nate's point about Colgate, so true, they've only played, they're 12-1, and they've only played three teams.
1: It really is, and BU, Boston U, was not a great team this year. They were good last year, they've been a good program, but they only had five wins this year. So that is an interesting point.
0: Now, now Jordan Burns is a heck of a player. Yes. And I, you know, uh, Penn State played Colgate with Jordan Burns. And many moons ago, I did Penn State Lehigh when C.J. McCollum was there. Now, is McCollum the better player? Yes. But, boy, Burns isn't that far off. Nate's right about that. So I do have the comparison of seeing both in college against Penn State during the course of – well, I've seen everybody now. I've been here for a billion years. All right, uh, we'll come back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. as to why there are many things that Dean Smith incorporated into college basketball that should still be done today. Uh, You know, everybody's oh, he played four corners. Dean Smith was very much for the shot clock, and he was very much for the three-point shot, but it wasn't, you know, he came up with a way to win with a four-corner offense, but he was very much pushing for a shot clock and a three-point shot during his career. Uh, Dean Smith believed very much in the concept of team basketball. It's why the running joke of, hey, who could, who's the one guy who could keep Michael Jordan under 20 points a game? It was Dean Smith. Well, ha, ha, ha. Well, guess what? Michael Jordan ended up being a great team basketball player. He was a great defender, excellent passer, and obviously we could see what he could do scoring-wise in the NBA. But it was it was Dean Smith that instilled those fundamentals of team basketball in him. Dean Smith, these are some things that he he did, right? Little things, taking care of little things equal big things. At North Carolina, you okay? You get the pass from somebody and you score, okay, and the Dean Smith there, you pointed at the guy who made the pass. It's a team game. It's not like, hey, look at me, pound the chest. No, you pointed at the guy who made the pass. He put you in the position to score, okay? He also, along the way, he's the one that really started the, hey, let's start all the seniors on senior night. You know, you put in the cake. Hey, he started all the seniors on senior night. Now, I've been seeing that over and over again here. Um, Maryland did it the other night. Jim Ferry did it here at Penn State the other night. Started all the seniors on senior night. That's really important. It's just That's just part of a a program and the fabric of a program what it should be. And then here's the other one. And this one, this one here has been lost in time. But Xander Rice is a part of the team. And he's doing a great job at Bucknell. His father, King Rice, was critical in North Carolina's what nineteen, what, ninety two national championship team, nineteen ninety one national championship team. When you're a senior, Dean Smith would work very hard to get you a game in your hometown or as close to your hometown as possible. That year in 1991, Penn State was up at the Carrier Dome uh, for the NCAA tournament and North Carolina was there as a part of it. So you're going through the game notes to get ready for everything. And I'm looking at the Carolina game notes. And I say, man, they played a game at Colgate which, of course, will be Bucknell's game coming up tomorrow. They played a game at Colgate, and I'm flipping through. Ah, King Rice is from Hamilton, New York. Okay, Dean Smith took his team to Hamilton, New York, to play Colgate because King Rice was one of his players, a senior. And in this world of transfers, it's hard to do. But those are things that – those are elements – Point at the guy who made the pass. Starting your seniors on senior night. Getting a player back as close to his hometown as possible to play a game in front of his friends and family. Those are all things from the Dean Smith era. And King Rice is a perfect example. I mean, Xander, of course, now playing for Bucknell. But those are things that make a program that create a basketball family. Create a football family if you can.